This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Hey, welcome to Home Health Revealed. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and as always, I have my co-host, Hannah Vale. Hannah, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. This is our first podcast of 2022, and I'm super excited about it, ready to go. It's been a rocky start to 2022 in my my own house, my world. I don't know that we've ever shared on here, but I have three little kids. I have a very full life in general, and then we got COVID right after the new year. All the family, like extended family that was together, we knew it was a risk being together, so please don't send me hate mail, but you know, it, it was for a family funeral that really couldn't be avoided. So not to be a Debbie Downer, but then everybody got COVID, like vaxxed, not vaxxed. Everybody got the same thing. Same days, like we could almost call each other and be like, did you lose your taste and smell today? Yep. Okay. Did you get chills today? Okay. Did you have a bout of nausea today? And I have a lot of medical people in my family. So we were just like bouncing all this stuff, right? Everybody's got their theories. We are not backwards about having conversations that other people probably might cringe at. So it was a good time. I finally feel like a human being like this last week, because if you've had COVID, I know everybody's COVID experience is different and I don't want to beat this dead horse, but the tiredness afterwards, like you'll be fine. You'll be like, I am so good. I am through this. Those antibodies are rocking through my body. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, I got, I got to take a minute. Like I, I got fog brain and I'm tired. Yeah, so, so, so at the house, do you like, since everybody got it, do you guys just FaceTime each other and stay in your own rooms? How does that work? Oh, at my own house? Yeah. No, heck no. I mean, I have one kid who still sleeps with me. I'm also a co-sleeper. If we wanted to just get like all the things that you should not do right now, we're just going to go ahead and roll those out. Um, so no, there was no chance. Like, and I'm the kind of, I need sleep. So if I have to hang a kid upside down from the ceiling to get sleep, I'm 100% okay with that. We're going to get sleep. So no, we did not quarantine within our own house. We stayed together. We didn't go outside of our house, but we just got through it for like two weeks. And I, I'm ready to like get out and see the world now. Uh, I, I think some people may frown upon you hanging your kids upside down. I, you know what? They have not been with me when I'm tired. They would, <laughs> if they were, they would be like, you know what? Go ahead and hang that kid up there. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you get creative though, right? You, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Family bonding. That's, that's, you know, Hey, that's a good thing. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, there you go. So 2022 was off with a bang. That was literally new year's. So that was it. Well, I got yeah. it too. So I, 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 I had experienced that for about, uh, I think about five days. But I've overcome it, and uh, yeah, so I'm ready. I'm ready for a, a fabulous 2022, and and uh, uh, hopefully getting everyone just kind of get over get over the COVID stuff. Hopefully everyone stays well and and recovers well from it. But boy, I tell you, it 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 is a it is a battle for sure. Yeah, yep. So now I've got kids home from school because you know they're they're virtual now. So. Yeah, so they just canceled school like last week. So yeah, yep. so uh, people are probably experiencing that as well. Yep. Well, so today we're going to do a little bit of a different topic. In fact, actually, you're gonna we're gonna ask some questions of me today, um, simply because you, you know uh, we like analytics, and so in 2021, you, you know, we looked at all of our analytics, and what we want to do is is in this session today, we want to share with you the trends that we've seen some of the agency best practices that to help 
um, you know, uh, mitigate risk, yep. right? Uh, as well as talk about some current market challenges, some upcoming regulations, and then we're really going to dive in a little bit to the power of analytics. And yeah. so hopefully, you know, with sharing this information, some agencies can take, you know, what we, what we share today and implement what they can, right? Um, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but these are the areas that we've seen through talking with hundreds of home health and hospice agencies. Yeah. So this is really the information that we're going to provide today is not only the analytics that we capture, but, but also through just the conversations with probably well over 300 agencies. Yeah. So let's, let's jump right in um, and talk about those trends. So Mike, kind of lay out for the audience what trends we saw in 2021 that are still posing threats to agencies as we head into 2022. Yeah. So um, the, the list, I'm going to talk probably about five or six that are probably the most important ones that we saw. One is the increase in the number of changes to clinical documentation. So why is that? Why is that important? Well, the more changes that you're making to the documentation is thus the more changes that your clinicians are making to the documentation, right? Yep. And what really surprised me is we've seen, we've seen an increase in the number of changes uh, over last year. The second thing is uh, agencies DSO. How do they manage that DSO? Because that affects cash flow. Another area that's affecting agency cash flow is intake. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about ways to master that intake process. Uh, payer setup, not setting that up correctly, is still a big challenge. Inconsistency with the way that we see um, clearinghouses set up with the payers, and the importance of that being all set up electronically. Increase in rejection denials. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Uh, tracking and trending against your revenue goals. Um, there's a lot of agencies not tracking that in great detail. They're tracking it in some form or fashion, mm -hmm. but they're not tracking it to the level that they need to be tracking it, right? To, to understand where the growth opportunities are, yep. where's the potential lack in productivity, and how do you fill those gaps in that productivity uh, challenge? And then again, um, every, everybody is struggling with staffing and with turnover. Yeah, right? so, we've heard it time and again. Yeah, so when I talk about all these, it, th these are the main ones that we see that, have a, an effect on cash flow in one form or fashion. Mm -hmm. And just to give you guys an idea, um, we work with a clinical documentation team. So we have a review team on staff. We work with hundreds of agencies in conversation in different avenues. So um, Mike, tell us a little bit our, our insights at HealthRev. What are we seeing? Like what is our review team seeing with the clinical documentation specifically? Yeah, so every time we review a chart, so we're tracking every single analytic in that chart, every single change in that chart, all the way, we drill it down all the way to a clinician-specific level, right? Well, I decided I want to take all that data and say, okay, what are we really seeing when it comes to an agency's top five clinicians, right? The best five mm -hmm. and maybe the bottom five. And um, what was really interesting to me is the average number of changes as a whole, went from 10.1 changes per chart to 12.2. Now, some people may say, well, that's only like, uh, you know, a couple Two, points, yeah. right? But when you, when you look at the scale of number of events that you could be doing uh, as an agency, right? The number of patients that you're seeing, yep. you know, that, that can be significant, right? 
Well, what really caught my attention was when you look at your top five clinicians, um, the average number of changes per 10 charts. So you take 10 charts and say, okay, of my top five clinicians, how many changes on average per 10 charts are, are being made, right? Or in whole. So 30 changes is what we have found in 10 charts. So uh, your top five clinicians, they submit 10 charts. You're, you're going to make a total of 30 changes. So an average of three changes About per three chart. Changes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good math, by the way. Yeah. Thanks. You must got a, you must have been a math major. <laughs> Um, now here's what's, here's what blew my mind. The bottom five, the bottom five, same, uh, statistic, right? Where you take the number 10, 10 charts, right? The, uh, the, the bottom clinician, right? And I say, that's probably not the I right know, word. I'm, I'm right? trying to think of another word in my head right now for like the least, um, I don't know. They, they have some education gaps. They need some help with clinical documentation. Well, let's say we it. still and love them. Like okay? in everything, you, you know, if you've got 10 clinicians, you got probably your best one and you've got one that's not yeah, your that's best struggling. One, right? So especially with documentation. Yeah. So I uh, probably a better word. So, um, don't know what that word is, but we're going to use bottom five. All right. Okay. So you, you got a top, it. you got to have a bottom, right? So uh, the bottom, the very bottom, uh, 110 changes. Whoa. 110. So we go from three on average. Three on average, 30 total of right. 10 charts. Okay, so 110 total changes of those. So we've gone to 11. Yeah. Wow. Per chart. That is what? Three and a half times the number of changes. Yeah. But so then you take your, your, your bottom one, 110. And then you, you work your way up, right? So then your second to bottom one, 98 changes. Okay. Then it goes from 98 to 64, 62, and then 60. So when you really look at that gap, your top five, you're making 30 changes over 10 charts. Your bottom five, you're, you're making 110, at best 60. So when you're looking at productivity gaps. Like that's a huge range. Think about the number of changes that they are making, 110. Yeah, that's and, and that's the reviewer's job to go in, review that documentation, and make those recommended changes. Yes, so when you think about it, you really want to be tracking the number of changes that either your internal review team is doing, or if you're outsourcing that, you want them to be able to track that because how if you're not tracking it, how do you know if you're getting better, yeah. right? So one of the key things that we have done successfully is we, we use these analytics to say, okay, if, if we're at 110, 98, 68, 62, 60, right? What, what are we doing with those bottom clinicians? Again, I still hate that I word, know. but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And, and we got to improve their documentation. If we improve their documentation, now they have more time to see patients. They have more time to care for patients because they're not spending so much time making all those changes, right? Yeah. So that that's really something that, wow, when it caught my attention, I was like, man, I, I want to share this information because if you're not tracking that as an agency, boy, in 2022, start tracking that because that's a gap that you may not be aware of that exists, right? Yeah. And you can, you can add in education, you can add in training, you can drill that down basically to that uh, particular clinician, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's a very important piece. The other thing is uh, when I talk about the top five Oasis changes that, that we make, that we've seen uh, over last year, was the number one change about 46% of the time was your M1033. About 37% of the time we were changing the 1850. 26% of the time we were changing the 1860. Uh, did I say that right? I think so. 
I felt the like 1860? I said, 1850 was 36% of the time. Okay. 1860 was 25, 26% of the time. The uh, uh, 104 was 22% of the time. And then rounding out the top five was the 1830 at 18.43% of the time. Now, of the 1033, 1850, 50, 1860, and 1830, that's all reimbursement. Those all, all affect reimbursement. Those affect reimbursement. Your bottom line. So the other, the other thing that we want agencies to think about tracking is where specifically are those changes coming from? Mm-hmm. Is it affecting your revenue? Is it affecting your your process measures, your five-star items? Very, very important, right? Because you do not want to lose revenue. And if you're seeing the patients, uh, and you want to make sure you're capturing all that revenue. Yes. Right? So really important. Those two things. Number one, track the number of changes that you're making. And number two, where are those changes coming from? Because those can, those can have a significant impact on your income and your outcome ratings, right? Absolutely. And you want them to reflect the best picture of the patient. That's right. And you want your team to get better, right? Yeah. Because again, efficiency is going to be the key here in 2022. Yep. Efficiency, accuracy, and really streamlining everything, automating everything. Yeah. Um, Okay. So another thing you mentioned in your list was DSO. And that stands for Daily Sales Outstanding. I I just want you to explain that a little bit because our audience may or may not be familiar with that measure. And then talk a little bit about how you would explain the importance of that when it comes to managing cash flow. Yeah, so your DSL represents the number of days it takes a business to convert a sale into cash, right? Uh, and, and basically revenue. Typically a business, uh, their DSO is gonna run somewhere about uh, a net 30, right? Yeah. So you provide a service, you're paid in 30 days. Healthcare services is a little bit different. The average is about 45 to 60 days. So when we talk with a lot of agency owners, the very first question that we ask is, what is your DSO? Yeah. And one specific um, customer comes to mind where they were struggling with their receivables. Mm -hmm. And um, we were talking about, okay, what's your net patient revenue? And then what's your current accounts receivable? And so their net patient revenue is around 16 million their accounts receivable is about 4.2 million, okay? So their DSO or their daily sales outstanding was about 91.9 days. So then how, how does that impact your, your agency, right? So when we do the analysis, and, and everyone can do the analysis, right? You just, yeah. it's, you can go on our website and you can just fill it in, but it's important to do it because here's the deal. If your AR to cash account is over 100%, right? In this scenario, it was 142.7%. That affects, you know, your ability to, to grow, to scale, uh, to pay vendors, to pay creditors, to get a line of credit, because, you know, for every dollar you got coming in, you got a dollar 42 going out, right? That's not good. So when you run your DSO calculation, it'll show you what your AR to cash account looks like. It'll also break down what my daily revenue is currently today. And if I was to improve my DSO, what would that change my daily revenue to, right? Which can have a significant impact on how you're going to grow in 2022. Well, so we do a matrix that really breaks down saying, okay, if they're at 91.9, let's run a matrix to say, okay, if we got them down to 60 days, what would that do to their cash flow? Well, so the target, the delta of what we want to lower that was from 91.9 down to 60. So we want to lower it by 31.9 days right out of the gate within 120 days. 
that is going to take their uh, current AR from 4.2 million down to 2.7 million. It's going to reduce their AR cash account from 142.7% down to 62.3%. So at the end of the day, Mike, what does that really mean? Right. What is that putting back in their bank account that they're really due? I mean, they're just forfeiting this money on time. What does that do to their bottom line? Yeah, talking real cash here. In this specific example, it was going to increase their cash account by $1.4 million. Wow. Significant impact. Yeah. Had no idea, ran a simple analysis, and and it, it blew their mind. So I share that because when we talk to a lot of agency owners, they're unaware of how the DSO and managing that DSO can impact our cash flow. Yep. So another another suggestion is to immediately run your DSO. Find out, okay, where are we at versus where do we want to be? And by getting to where we want to be, what's that do to our cash flow? Yes, because making those measurable goals is going to be key. Absolutely. You got to know where you are, where you want to get to, and and take one, <clears throat> one bite at a time, right? Absolutely. So I have, <laughs> I have heard... I have the privilege of hearing you talk to customers and clients, potential customers. And one thing that you're really great at is providing these analogies. And so there's an analogy that you have used uh, about toothpaste. So you call it, you call it the toothpaste. So can you just explain what the toothpaste is? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm the king of analogies. I love them. Right. But here's the thing about toothpaste. So you got to bear with me as I explain this. So, one night, my wife, she's very um, creative, and uh, she doesn't like to waste anything. She'll eat leftovers for days. Even if it's got some mold, she just cuts that no piece way. off. Absolutely. Yeah, she's like that. That's how she was raised. Love her to death for it. Ketchup, you know, if, if there's some ketchup in there, even if it splatters, she'll do everything she can to get that ketchup out. If the ketchup splatters when I use it, I throw it away and just get new ketchup. Yeah. Right? Does she collect ketchup at the drive through window and then squirt it into her ketchup bottle at home? I need to know that. She's not there yet. Okay. But, but give her time. I think she'll get there. Um, but here's what's really funny. So, you, you know, everyone's got to brush her teeth or, or, or we hope everyone brushes you teeth, You should, right? twice a day. Yeah. And floss. Yeah, you should do that. Um, and one night we were, we were brushing our teeth and we, um, we didn't have much toothpaste. And uh, I saw her cutting the end of the tube. I was like, babe, what are you doing? She's like, well, there's there's still toothpaste in here. I was like, well, we got we got a new tube right here. We can just throw that one away and just, you know. But then it dawned on me. When I saw her struggling or getting really creative with toothpaste, an analogy came to me. Mm-hmm. And here's the analogy. All right, you ready for this? Yep. So think about this. We all brush our teeth. And when you have a, a brand new tube of toothpaste, we don't care how much toothpaste we put on that toothbrush, right? We just kind of put it on there brush our teeth, go about our day. When right? it's brand new. When it's yeah, brand new, you don't right? have to worry about well, it. Well, even if you got half, you know, whatever. Yeah, you got some you got in plenty. there, it comes out easy. You, you have no problem. You just throw that it on there. That pea-sized amount sometimes looks like a little golf ball. And yeah. then, yeah, you go you on. You just throw it on there, right? Yeah. But when it gets down to where you've got to either push it up or you got to fold it up or you got to do what we call the two-thumber. You ever done the two-thumber? Yeah, or the credit card. Yeah, no, I've never I do done not. the credit card, but I've done the two thumber, right? We push the two thumbs up real hard and, and then you get like just a little bit of toothpaste and then you realize I don't have my toothbrush. So you let go one <laughs> thumb and it goes right back in yeah. your dead, dead gummit, right? Everybody's been through <laughs> yeah. that, right? Um, but watching her do all this, it came to me that 
the the power of creativity when the demand is there but you don't have much supply uh-huh so then i look at it in terms of business and and, and in the bathroom one night i was thinking to myself that you know when we've got to get creative with using the resources that we have mm-hmm. you you see everyone go through all this stuff just for toothpaste but it can be applied to business in terms of right now how do we get creative to get that toothpaste out with what resources we have understanding the current challenges that most agencies are faced with so when i when i use that i really want to talk about four things with that okay and, and applying it to business, even though I'm talking about toothpaste, I'm done talking about toothpaste, but, right. but, but keep that in the back of your mind, right? Got it. So the number one thing that we should do, all agencies should do right now is evaluate their end-to-end revenue cycle for potential gaps and workflows. Mm-hmm. Look at the beginning of your, your RCM, look at the middle of your RCM, look at the end of it, where the gaps are. From there identify specific areas where you can improve and lower your DSO. From those specific areas that you identify, then the question is, can you automate it? In some form or fashion, can it be automated? Because if you can automate workflows, you will prevent denials, you'll reduce rework. So think about if you have gaps, how much rework is your billing team currently doing right now, which is preventing them from from doing other collections and billing, right? Because they got to rework these claims. That's time wasted Mm -hmm. that if you do the evaluation, you could probably fill that gap. The other thing it will do, it'll lower your cost to collections because you're being more efficient. The other area that's really important is mastering intake. So you've got evaluate your end-to-end revenue cycle management for potential gaps, identify where those specific areas are, that's number two. Number three, automate those workflows if possible. Yep. And then number four, master your intake process. Because everything really starts at intake. Everything starts at intake. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and automation, I mean, we have so many things at our fingertips for automation, but sometimes it's just the matter of pause and evaluate that we don't do. And one of the other things I've heard you say is if something happens twice, it's a trend. If it happens twice, it's a trend. Really take that, that model Mm-hmm. because oftentimes you'll allow things to happen too many times before then you actually start to to look at it. I would tell everybody, if it happens twice, it's a trend. Stop, figure out the root cause, fix it so it doesn't happen a third time. That's absolutely correct. So when you're talking about billing and setting achievable numbers for your agency, you've talked about DSO. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on there that would be useful for an agency? Yeah, so when you're really looking at your potential gaps in your workflow, um, here are some things that you really, really should look at. Number one is if you can, and if you know how, implement a remit forecasting per payer. So look at every single payer and say, okay, what's my average time this, that this payer is taking to pay? And uh, use analytics to be able to tell you when that payer should pay. So if a payer should pay within seven to 10 or 15 days, if it doesn't pay in that 15, by the 15-day mark, what are you doing, right? Uh, because a lot of times um, the billing team will struggle on understanding what claim should they be following up on. Well, if you don't know when that claim should pay, then you don't have a solid process to know when that claim needs to be followed up on. And that can be automated, right? 
we do that. Yeah. The other thing you want to do is track your days at payer, like we talked about. Track your uh, your denial trends, and always for every billing or payer, create a root cause analysis. It is very important for every single payer to have a root cause analysis. What is the root cause that's causing this payer to do whatever it's doing, right? Mm -hmm. Create custom work groups for your billing team to understand where specifically uh, what payers there to work or what process they are to follow, but create those work groups so there's no confusion within your team on who's doing what, and then create checks and balances for every single process that you have. And then most importantly, create benchmarks. Because if you don't have benchmarks, you can't compare your performance. Mm -hmm. The other thing is when you're when I talk about setting achievable numbers, one important thing to do is if you have a billing team um, in-house or if you're outsourcing it, what what's the expectation, right? So when we look at it, we identify really four, four parts of the billing process that are very important. Number one is the NOAs. How many NOAs? can be sent and verified in a day per biller, right? That number's 30, if it's 35, whatever number that is, now you have a number that you can now track. In billing, when it comes to billing verification and claim submission, what's that number? If it's 200 claims, track it to 200 claims. Clearinghouse rejections, what's the number that, that you think they should be able to work? Unbilled claims, man, never leave an unbilled claim, right? I mean, right. you've worked nope. so hard to get the patient, right? You got the referral, you've seen the patient, you don't want that claim being unbilled, right? So what's the number of claims they should work daily on your unbilled? When it comes to posting, most important, right? Because you got to get paid. Yep. Um, posting payments, how many claims should they be able to post in a day? Uh, and how many uh, credit balances should they be able to check in a day? And then on your AR, really analyzing that AR, that AR, the claims, the EOB reviews, how many of those claims should, should they do? And then on insurance calling and denial management, how many claims should they be working a day? So and, when and that one down, can take a lot of time. I mean, we know that can take a lot of time. Phone calls these days are, ugh, who likes to pick up that phone? Well, it goes, it goes to the importance of automation, right? Yep. And, and making sure that, you know, when you're evaluating that end-to-end -end revenue cycle, you know, all, all your payers set up to, to be sent electronically? Are they all coming back electronically? If not, because if you got to call insurance companies in today's workforce challenges, mm -hmm. uh, most payers will only let you call a, a, about five claims. So when you call them, you can, only, you can only ask them about five claims. And that's it. So think about the amount of time it takes to get a hold of a payer. Uh, think about the times when you, you actually call the same company and get different di different answers, different person, right? or get a different yeah. answer. Yeah, yep, that's frustrating in uh, itself. Yes, but those are key areas right there. Set the, set the right numbers, achievable numbers for your billing team. Manage them to those numbers, and then make sure you got everything set up, uh, uh, you know, electronic and, and automated as much as you can. Right? Yeah, and all this points to transparency. I feel like you have to be willing to be honest with where you are as a company. So you can really grow. Okay. Yeah. You I, know, I wish like in uh, fourth grade, I'll just say fourth grade, maybe fifth, but let's say fourth grade, <laughs> you know, you get, you get a, you're going through math and every, I don't know if anybody likes math, right? Um, yes, that would be me. Well, you're but math yeah, major, go ahead. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. With the except you're a rare breed. All right. So, but if someone would have drew up a math problem on the board and told me this is revenue because everything can be backed into a number to help you drive revenue. I would like to think that I would take math more serious because I really hated math. But when you think about business and you think about growing a business and you think about your why you started this company, right? Yeah. Or even if you're a leader in the company, the amount of pressure 
to um, grow the agency because, you know, at the end of the day, you're providing jobs, you're providing income for, for families, you're, you're taking care of patients and, and you're building that brand. You've really got to take the time to do the math with every aspect of your company. Um, that way you can really measure where we at, where we want to go, how do we get there? It, it's very important. I know it takes time. And right now, a lot of agencies are wearing multiple people within agencies who wear multiple hats, right? They're out on the field. They're covering for people. People are staffing low. Yeah. yeah. But you got to take the time, get your team, you know, put, put up the cell phones, get your team in a room and, and, and build a war room and really have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Because I'm telling you, if you do that early enough in 2022, you're going to be shocked at the year that you have. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, I, absolutely. This is great information. I, I'm so glad that we've had this opportunity to have this conversation because I feel like if agencies can really grasp this, they're, they're going to be super successful. Absolutely. So I, I do have to share with you my analogy about numbers. Oh, boy. <laughs> so two things. I've always been told numbers don't lie, but people who lie use numbers because they want to cover something up. Yeah. And so when we talk about transparency, I always think about this analogy, right? So numbers are like a bikini. What you're covering up is actually more important than what you've exposed. I think that's an HR violation. <laughs> it probably is, but hey, you probably won't forget uh, it either. I think my toothpaste analogy is a lot better than what you just used. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you know what? Hey, whatever. It's all in the all in the uh, spirit of transparency. Yeah. So well, you know, number one is really in all reality, you got to turn off the news. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Do I mean, that for I, yourself. I watch the news. I get I I get upset. I, it doesn't matter what channel you're watching. I just hear the news. And, it, it, you know, the news, when I was a kid, the news used to scare me because like. Because it's the bad news. Yeah. And I always tell Whitney, I was like, hey, let's turn on the news, see who killed who or what happened. Right. Yeah. Because that's mm -hmm. really what the news is all about anymore. And it's really, yep. it can, it can, it can change your mindset if you continue to watch the news. And I know the news is great and there's great news people out there. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that overall, when you watch the news, there's so much negativity that, um, if you're not careful, it can affect your thought process without you realizing it's affecting your thought process. Yeah. But then you hear stories about people who are really like out in the home health field and, and not just home health, but the the fields that are caring for people still through all of this. You hear those stories about the little things they're doing that are really making a big difference. And those are the kind of things I wish we could share because there are still great people out there doing the little things every day that don't make the news. Yeah. Well, there's a new term out there called uh, compassion fatigue. Have you heard this term? I actually have. Yes. And but tell us what it is. Well, I, I had to look it up, but basically we're just less compassionate, but I don't think that's true. We're tired of being compassionate. No, I think it's, I, I think it's the people who continually care for people and care for people feeling like they're so worn out. Don't you? Well, yeah. That's so what I read. When I, when I read it, um, you know, made me think of the fact that, you know, with a lot of, a lot of us remote that, you know, there, there's not a lot of camaraderie, mm -hmm. right. And there's, there's a lot of value to camaraderie, right? Yeah. So what we have, and we've, we've talked with a lot of agency owners that are struggling with, I guess what you consider compassion fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. The lack of camaraderie. And so I, I always tell, I always tell people this. Number one is one of the most important things you can do is continue to share your vision. Because in that vision, you know, you created that vision and your mission statement of what you want to do. Um, 
because that that drives excitement because that's that's why you're doing what you're doing and, and it's good yep. to always remind your team hey here's our vision here's where we're going so yeah all this is going on and 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 we can we can continue to think about that stuff but we've got to continue as leaders in organizations we got to continue to press forward and and keep yep. everyone you know with their mind thinking of hey here's why we do what we do here's the mission of, of our agency let's mm -hmm. stay focused there let's continue to move forward and and deal with what happens to us right but learn from those and continue to push forward it's very important that you do that yeah remember your why another thing I always we always talk about is how are you incentivizing everyone within the organization mm -hmm. to perform at at peak performance right how do you get them there incentives do work um, and you get very creative with how you implement those incentives, yep. but very important that you also look at that as when you're looking at what do you want to do in 2022, are there incentives that you can put in place to help drive that growth? I'll say a couple of things to that. So I feel very strongly that when people love what they do, it's not, it's not so much a job. And we have a lot of people in this industry who really do love what they do. Um, so sometimes I think it's just a matter of creating measurements and processes. Complacency is completely worse than apathy. Like getting to that mediocrity point where you're content with mediocrity and where do you go from there? Well, we, so, we always talk about that when everything is going well, that is the time to continue to push innovation because yes. it's the easiest time to, to become complacent because, well, cash is coming in, everything is good. And it kind of goes back to that toothpaste. I told you yep. I wouldn't bring it back up again, but again, you got all that toothpaste, <laughs> here it is. you just throw it on there, right? No <laughs> yeah. big deal because everything's fine. But yeah. it's when everything is fine is when you should really be pushing for innovation. Yes. And, and I think as a company, we, we do that well. You can do that within an agency too. Yeah. I mean, we've got yeah. some really creative thinkers in this, in this space. So Yeah. And another, another challenge, one of the last challenges we'll talk about is in staffing. We know it's a major challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge for everyone in every industry, no matter what you're doing, simply because you, you, we are still dealing with COVID, right? Yeah. So with COVID comes the fact that your employees get sick their family gets sick or you got to be quarantined. Uh, you got your vaccine, uh, vaccine mandates that, you know, are causing some challenges, even though that continues to work its way through the court process. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, it, you know, now schools are canceling. Right. Like and that creates a, a whole other set of challenges for families, for parents, childcare, mixing kids with other groups of kids for exposure. I could go on, yeah. but yes. So absolutely. So all that, all those are challenges. So here, here are some, ideas that can help because you don't know when you know if you're if you have in-house coding and billing if if somebody gets sick there or family gets sick there what's that do to your gap in productivity what's it do to your cash flow right if you have a delay sure. in any of those processes so so a couple things you can do well you've not even mentioned like the whole challenges of noas at the beginning of this year and other things that we've seen because that is time sensitive yeah lot lot going on so here's here's what i i would i would tell every agency owner uh, just, uh, words of wisdom. Can we call them that? Sure. Do I have wisdom? Yes, you do. It's toothpaste wisdom. Okay. Toothpaste. I love it. So, uh, number one is, is build a backup plan either with outside vendors. So, you know, Hey, if, if you don't want to outsource or you don't need to outsource, um, I always recommend that you go ahead and talk with a couple of, of coding and billing companies as, as one of your backup plans. Yeah. Right. So if something does happen, You've already went through that courting process. You've already went kind of through the contract stuff. Mm -hmm. you, you may not be using them at this moment, but if if you need to, you've already got that done, right? Because you don't want to waste time going through that 
because you're probably going to interview a couple, right? And go yep. through that process. It can take up to 15, 30 days. They can you know? get to know you. It's dating. Yeah. It's dating. Get that done, yeah. right? So so that way, if you need to pull the trigger, you can, you can pull it. Uh, the second thing I would tell everybody is to make sure within the agency, you have two people trained on every specific role that they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to go a little bit deeper is we call them coloring books. Uh, in, internally. And, and what I mean by coloring books, we, we always use kind of weird words in our <laughs> organization, but uh, I tell people they got to keep everything on a fifth grade level for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what a coloring book is, is basically it is a, a step-by-step process that, um, cause I don't do billing or coding. Right. But if I had to, would that coloring book give me a very specific step-by-step process, how to do it. The other thing within the coloring book would be to create a video uh, of watching that person go through that process. So it gives mm-hmm. me two ways. It give me number one, the coloring book, which is a step-by-step process. The other thing is give me a video. So I could watch both. I could watch one, read the other, but I would know how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's very important because again, if something happens now, you've got, you've got those processes that someone can, can watch or follow to, to keep the agency, um, you know, running afloat. Right? Yeah. Maybe at a slower pace, but we're still moving the boat. Yeah. The other thing that's really important and often overlooked is really assessing the current workload per employee. Um, because it's very easy to add additional responsibilities to employee. And then over time you've actually added a lot mm-hmm. and you don't realize it. Right. Yep. Preach it. And, and so then if you're, you know, you're asking about why isn't something done, well, that employee has so much other things that they're really not focused on the one thing you want them on. Right. So, but that's very important because in that you, then you can take a step back and say, okay, if they're doing all this stuff, well not, now, number one, if that employee goes out, boy, they're doing a lot, right. And you don't have a backup plan. Number two is take that information and say, okay, where can I implement innovation and where can I implement automation? automation. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and then we already talked about creating, you know, um, incentive plans to promote, you know, desired behaviors and outcomes. That's very important. The other thing that's often overlooked because everyone is so busy and wearing multiple hats is continuing to offer flexible and customized training programs for your staff to promote growth, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we, what we do is, is we, we require, require our team to do four education sessions a year. Uh, we don't care what they do. We just want them to continue to grow both professionally and, and personally. Um, but the important thing that we do there is we make it flexible on their own time when they want to do it. But there is, there's a lot of studies out there. You can Google them, but it is very important that you continue to show support of training because everybody mm-hmm. wants to learn more and just different. Or you, you hope know. they do. You hope they do. Right? I mean, I would argue that just me having an audible subscription where I can like listen to books and do all that stuff. Like that has been incredible for me. Yeah, absolutely. Just to continue all that training. So I think providing it as a company is awesome. Even, but know your staff, know your people, know what makes them tick and then promote growth where they want to grow personally because they're going to give back to you professionally. Absolutely. So, so the last thing I think, you know, and you, you mentioned this was, you know, um, analytics, the importance of analytics. So in, in really closing out our time together, you know, I, I strongly encourage agencies to create benchmarking mm-hmm. and create KPIs. And on the benchmarking, you know, you're, you're setting benchmarks and the intention of benchmarking is to compare your operations to that of your competitors, as well as in, to improve operations 
reduce your cost, improve profits, and then strengthen your customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Some examples of benchmarking would be your case mix weight, quality scores, star rating, cost per visit, and your visit productivity. Then in, with your KPIs, you know, those are your key um, performance, it, performance indicators. indicators. That's right. And, and examples of that, of what you want to create there would be like your census, your payer mix, your outstanding orders, employee turnover, DSO, profit margin. Another example could be your unbilled AR. But very important that you create those things because, you, you, you know, there's some good quotes out there that, you know, talk about information is the oil of the 21st century. Yep. And analytics is the combustion engine. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of truth to that, right? Yeah. And the goal is to turn data into information and information into insight. Yes. And, and if you're like fresh to doing this, you don't need a fancy program. You can get one. But I would say like even tracking numbers on a whiteboard where they're visible to your staff because all of those things you mentioned, they're just numbers that you can track. And if, but if you're not tracking them, that's where you've gone wrong. So if it's an Excel spreadsheet and it's pretty primitive and that's all you can do, start there. Like don't beat yourself up about having to have some fancy software or anything. There are things that can help with that, but start somewhere. Don't have analysis paralysis. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, hey, we appreciate everybody's uh, listening and tuning in today. Um, we uh, next uh, next month we got a great show for you. We've got uh, some uh, professionals coming in speaking about uh, denials mm -hmm. and ADRs and, yep. and how to manage that. So that's going to be a great podcast coming up. Uh, but for now, we just want to thank everyone for joining us. Have a great start of twenty twenty two. Thank you.